Hey everyone, thank you so much for checking out the Division 16 podcast. Uh, we wanted to give a huge shout out to the Allen and Heath guys and gals over there. They're just killing it. They're making this podcast possible. So make sure you go check them out. Uh, on today's podcast, uh, we have Chad Vegas. Uh, who's Chad, you may be asking yourself. Chad has over 20 years of production experience. He is also known uh, as the pioneer in live cinematic broadcast for House of Worship, most notably with Bethel Music, and now with Transformation Church with Pastor Mike Todd in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He provides extensive knowledge in techniques and practices used to help create a way for audiences watching from wherever they are at to feel like they're part of the experience, not just viewing it. Chad's main goal is to transform the way video production depart, uh, departments do their jobs by helping them focus on their hearts and why they do the things that they do. His heart is that we will worship first and capture second. Chad, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, so uh, we were kind of talking before we started recording. You are in the middle of a giant upgrade. I am, yeah. Huge upgrade. Um, basically <laughs> revamping the entire broadcast system over at Transformation Church. So it's fun. Nice. Definitely fun. So where were they and where are they going? Uh, yeah, so they, they had, you know, um, right. Actually, technically right now we're using some of the same system that uh, they have, um, which is pretty much Blackmagic Ursa broadcast cameras, uh, fiber system to a, um, I just put in a Constellation, but they had a uh, old production 2ME in there. and. Um, yeah, we're we're basically we're gonna go uh, to full Ross Acuity setups. Um, we're gonna have um, very cams in there. Um, all in all, between very cams, uh, even ones, and uh, I'm gonna have a couple of S1Hs uh, from Panasonic. Um, the S1Hs are gonna be mainly like crowd focused shots of cam ops in the crowd. I'm kind of getting a feel for what's happening in the crowd, kind of that kind of a deal. Then evil ones are going to be all over handheld. Uh, um, the way we do our handheld is a little different from most people. Uh, so weight on a camera is very big for us. So we we kind of had to strip, you know, find a camera that was good enough. I, you know, I yes, I would do um, a uh, Vericam LT for a handheld because it would look great. But the Evas look fairly fairly good too. And the weight is just a lot less. So, uh, yeah, all in all, I think we're, we're going to be landing on around anywhere between 12 to 14 cameras on a Sunday service. Uh, once we, once we get everything installed. So that's crazy. Uh, did you say how many of you guys are at currently right now? Uh, yeah, currently right now we're, we're running, uh, for recordings, uh, we're doing about for uh, worship recordings. We're doing about six cameras only. Uh, and okay. then normal service stuff, uh, we'll, we'll probably take off a camera. So about five cameras. Crazy. No, oh, that's awesome. So in this uh, description that I gave of you, it says that you pioneered the live cinematic broadcast. Can you kind of explain to our listeners who don't know what that means, uh, what that means? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, and it, it really isn't like something that, that it's, it's bad or anything, but for me, I, I just, the broadcast style uh, for me is old school. You know, it's, it's something that, right. Um, it's something that here, we're here to capture it. We're going to capture it in such a way, but you know, there's a lot of push pulls, you know, uh, slow pans, you know, things like that. Uh, even, and, and a mixing, you know, uh, basically crossfading between shots and things like that. And while I think it was okay for, for a certain amount of time, I think nowadays, uh, the people really want to feel what's happening in the room. 
uh, at home. And for me, uh, the only way to drive that, to kind of create that feeling was to move into a more of a cinematic broadcast style. And what that looked like was getting away from having a lot of cameras just on tripods and doing slow pans and, and push and pulls and things like that. But moving into now, let's do more handheld. Um, let's, let's shoot it in such a way where it's more cinematic, like watching movies and film and taking those frames and those shots and putting it into a live broadcast uh, mode, uh, you know, and feel. And so getting those, getting that, getting that feeling of really just almost like watching a movie, right? You're watching a movie and, you know, a girl starts to cry. The camera slowly pushes in, right? To invoke that emotion, right? Uh, right. So, so doing stuff like that, uh, but in a live environment and in a live worship environment um, uh, is something that we really, like, we really wanted to do. Um, and when we, when we basically decided to do it, it was very foreign for a lot of people. And uh, especially within our church, like, we did a little bit at Bethel. There was a little bit of cinematic movement to certain things, but uh, when we went full cinematic, uh, it was it was definitely one of those uh, conversations with leadership. But like, we want to do this. This is how we want it to look, and it was definitely like communication back back and forth, basically to to really talk, you know, talk through stuff like, oh, was this movement too much? You know, is it too shaky? You know, all that stuff. Okay, let's dial it back for you know. Uh, we kind of went way overboard in this shot, you know, that kind of a deal. So, uh, but all in all, um, really getting to a point where we, we can now, you know, I, I, if I, I feel successful in, in saying that I can, we can now get, get a certain point across of, Hey, people at home can actually feel what's happening in the room. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like, I don't know how much YouTube you watch, but there's a, a YouTuber. He's pretty large. Uh, he's probably one of the biggest. It's um, Casey Neistat. Do you know yeah. who that is? Yeah. Casey. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like listening to one of the uh, videos he did where he is like describing like what made him get into doing the, the daily vlog that he was doing and how he was like, oh, I really like people were just like walking around holding up a camera, like talking to it. And it was like, they were just chronologically like talking about their day and how he was a filmmaker and like he wanted to do that, but he wanted to make it like a film. So he was like making these mini films about his day. And that's obviously like what drew people to him because it was so different than what everyone else was doing. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the same thought process what you just said, where it's like, there's this old school broadcast mentality of we've got boom cameras and we've got cameras on tripods and we're going to push and pull and sweep you know, let's make people feel the emotion that's in the room. I, I think that that's the biggest thing is like, I always ask uh, most of our clients, you know, it's like, hey, what's, what's the vision behind cameras? You know, what's the vision? What are we trying to do? Are we trying to just let people see what's going on in our Sunday morning service? Or are we trying to like put ourselves out online as like another media source that is, you know, Christ-centered? Right. Totally. Yeah, I mean, would you agree with that? Is that kind of what you're kind of what you're saying too? Yeah, yeah, I'm to- I totally, I totally get that, and I, I really feel like, like there's, there's definitely, and, and like I said earlier, it's not really knocking anybody down because you know there's definitely a certain way of doing things for for certain churches for certain people. You know, I, you know, my style doesn't work with with you know, I would say a lot of the churches out there right now, <laughs> um, but you know, it's definitely something where. I, I really feel like even even in the old school broadcast for, for me it's like one of the things I like to teach about is 
is there still emotion that you can pull from? Like there's still a way to do it, even if you don't feel like changing your full style over. Um, right. And, and really it comes down for me personally, it just comes down to my personal conviction that for me, worship is my, you know, my, my directing, my, um, even when I was a camera op, that's my act of worship. And that's how I, that's how I worship. And so I, I really wanted that, that, to be in my team, to be in everything we did. And so it really gets down to, yes, you can have all the technical stuff and that's good, all the all the movement and that's good, but really coming down to your team. And I, I think in order to really get the get people to feel what's happening in the room is if your team is really worshiping first and capturing second. Uh, right. So that's why for me, it was like, I want to focus on my team and the heart of my team and focus on our why. You know, why do we do this? It's you know, yeah, we can get cool shots and do all this, but really the heart of the matter is really, it's about Jesus. You know, we're just, we're just here to, to send this message that we're that of the house that we're at to, throughout the world. So, yeah, I think that one of my things is like you said, it, it's not necessarily these people are doing things wrong. The old school way is perfectly fine. It fits them, you know, and that's where like that vision statement I made is, you know, Hey, what's the vision here is the vision for, the 10 people that are sick, you know, periodically to be able to continue to experience church at home? Is it for, you know, the snowbirds that are, you know, going out of town and they want to still, you know, contribute to their church and pay attention and see what's going on? Or is the idea, hey, we're trying to reach people and we want the word of God to get spread? I think that's where it differentiates from me. And then kind of like you said, not everyone has the capability of having like a staff to do that, but everyone's got to start somewhere and have long-term goals of, hey, we're going to start here and I want to go to this place. So the church that I was at, I got put in charge of all of the AV for our college ministry. And we were growing pretty rapidly at this time. Uh, We were going from like 25 people in our college ministry and we were at about 150 at this point. And it had been about a year. And I came to the pastor of the ministry and said, hey, I really think that we need to get online video-wise. I said, I think that goal one would be let's just record what we're doing and then post it after the fact. And then maybe we can start live streaming, you know, and then I want to start, you know, sprinkling in some like, let's get a little bit more cinematic as we move on. Uh, Maybe we do a night of worship. Hey, why don't we do some stuff in between during the week, like prep people. And I kind of set this like whole vision of what I wanted it to be when it was said and done. And then I said, let's start here. And then here's my steps of what I think, how we add these on and add up. It, is that something that you think is like a wise decision? Or do you think that there's more to it than that? Or wh- um, what do you tell people? Yeah, it's the same. Honestly, it's the same way. Um, I, I found the easiest way is to lead by example. Um, of uh, lead, uh, lead it by showing the example, I should say. So like, even when we went into our our staff meetings with our leadership, it was really like, Hey, this is where I feel like, like uh, we should take it. Here's some examples of what we kind of want to do. Um, you know, and even then the examples were, were far and few between. Right. And so it was one of those things It's constant. I think constant communication is where it comes back. All it comes down to is really like sitting down, telling them, Hey, this is where, where I think we're going. Uh, this is where I kind of want to take it. How do you guys feel about it? And honestly, some, some places, you know, um, some of the students that I work with personally for, with like my mentorship program, they, they have those conversations with their senior leaders and their senior leaders don't really feel like that's the place to go. So 
my what I do is I just shift the way I teach and say, well, let's let's move to what what they would like, you know, and, and really focus on that. And it's not um, it's not a bad thing either if if your leadership is like, no, I think we should stick with a little bit more traditional stuff, you know. Um, try to find a way to be creative in that in that aspect, you know. Um, there's definitely places that are things that you can do to really enhance your worship service uh, to begin with. So. No, that's great. No, that, and that's, yeah, that's huge. I love that. Uh, it says that you were with Bethel, obviously. Uh, when did you start with Bethel? Uh, I started um, in 2015, I believe. No, 2016. It was 2016, yeah. So I remember that their production was decently low uh, towards like the beginning of like their popularity. And like, obviously now, like we're seeing them, they've got, you know, LED walls and a lot of camera production and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Can you, I'm assuming you were there for that transformation. Uh, Could you talk to us about like what brought that transformation up and then how did the transformation take place? Yeah. Um, A lot of it was um, basically at the time when I took over for broadcast video for Bethel, um, our production manager, uh, Drake Kelch also took over for production uh, as the production manager. And so uh, we both kind of just got together and was like, well, what do we want this to look like? And we we're talking about the whole cinematic thing and what, what it, now, how does it look like, you know, beyond that, right? How does this, how should the stage be lit? How should, you know, do we add these LED wall elements in there? Do we, you know, um, most people don't realize like, we have Bethel music and Bethel music will do tours and all that stuff. But the actual Bethel local church is really just, it's a chill place. You know, it's, it's one of those places right. just like, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll go with the flow and, and uh, what we got is good, you know? And so uh, bringing that, bringing that element into it, it was really, I, I guess you could say it was almost like bringing what we did on tour with Bethel music into the local church of, at Bethel. Um, and bringing that, getting that technology in there. And um, uh, the senior pastor at the time, Eric Johnson, um, he really uh, was for all that. He really wanted to to kind of step up the look, you know, get more people involved. And especially um, at the time, you know, Bethel Music, all the stuff that we were doing for Bethel Music, the live stuff was starting to take off even more. And so to kind of match it, you know, and, and not have it look different from what what was done for Bethel Music, I think was a, uh, a big part of that too. But yeah, uh, the, the transition I would say took overall took about maybe, maybe a, about a year, maybe a year. Um, but within that, you know, I, I, you know, I'll always go back to that. It's just that communication with, with your senior leadership. Um, sometimes it was, Hey, yeah, we kind of don't like that look or, you know, and it's okay, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and try to find the happy media uh, median, you know, um, so yeah, but the, the actual transition was about a, a full year, I'd say. No, that's great. Uh, I mean, how, how complicated was that? Cause I mean, you guys, like I said, you guys seemed like you didn't really have much to kind of going in like full production, you know, was there a pretty big learning curve for your team or was everyone kind of already knowing what they were doing and they were all wanting to do more and just kind of waiting for the green light or a little what, bit of was, both. Yeah. It was a little bit of both. It was, it was, um, Coming in from most of the, uh, on the production side of things, uh, just like audio lighting, um, most of them uh, were already, um, um, gosh, sorry. Most of them 
from the audio and lighting side of production were already uh, involved in all the tours. And so they were used to kind of like, uh, kind of like, I guess, performing on this, this, this level, this professional level of, Hey, this is what we should do. This is how we should do it. You know, and just waiting for that green light. Uh, and it was a little bit on the video side with me and a couple of other cam ops that we had um, that were really creative and really wanted to push the envelope and push the bar. Um, and so it was really one of those things where uh, when we got together, it was, hey, how can we do this? And also not just how can we do it, but how can we do it efficiently and fast? Um, and for us, we were coming up to a, it was like a season, it's like one of the busier seasons at Bethel where they had three conferences almost back to back. And yeah. uh, we found that that would be like, hey, this is actually the perfect time to start implementing these things. And um, basically after three weeks, we kind of had a good, um, you know, kind of we hashed out a bunch of things. Hey, let's try this. Let's try that. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, let's try this, you know. And after three weeks, we kind of came back to the to the table and we're like, hey, we actually kind of have something here we can actually kind of run with um, as far as movement went, you know, lighting. Um, you know, we our, our big, the biggest thing at Bethel was, you know, we light for video first and then the room. Um, because uh, uh, also it's because at the time with the budget constraints that we had, you know, we only had, um, you know, Blackmagic Ursa Mini Pros. So it wasn't like the, the best of the best of cameras. You know, we used what we had and because it wouldn't take in light as well, the sensors, um, we, we realized, hey, let's start, let's light for video more. And, um, and we started doing that. And that's how we, we came out with that, you know, that quote unquote Bethel look, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So what, what did that do? Because uh, that has been like a, a point of contention for, for me with some, uh, some organizations where, you know, do we light for the room because that's the group that we have physically there, or do we light for you know for broadcast, quote unquote? You know, because those are usually pretty different looks. Like even when you see like large tours, like I remember watching the behind the scenes for uh, one of Justin Timberlake's tours where they showed footage of like what the tour looked like and then what the tour looked like on the date the the two dates that they recorded, uh, and it's like the lighting was so drastically different. Um, what, what do you say to those people that, you know, have that contention? Like what was the effects, you know, with you at Bethel doing that, you know, what are you doing at transformation and kind of like, what's the idea, uh, like, yeah. and how do you solve that, that contention? Yeah. Um, the, you know, when we, when we decided to light for the room or light for video instead of the room, um, it was definitely a little bit different because it, it's, you know, we had to go a little bit brighter, um, it was definitely with our production manager, Drake, and talking with the senior leadership team is uh, going back again to communication, finding that happy median where it's like, okay, is this too much light? Oh, uh, yeah, we think so. Okay, let's dial it back. Let's make adjustments. Basically, we moved we moved to you know all of our lenses uh, to Canon EF lenses so that we could open up our iris more, um, get a little bit more light in there. We we often stay um, on the practical end. We, we would often stay between 1.4 and 2.8, depending on what lens we had. Um, and we'd stay open the whole time because, uh, you know, with the cameras that we were using, um, the amount of light that needed to come in there. And uh, that's how we kind of, uh, I guess that was a, some, some tricks of the trade there for that is just keeping it open, keeping as much light on stage as possible. And 
what what That's really did help shallow depth of field uh, being yeah. at like a one four. Yeah. That too, yeah, that too, it, it totally helped with that cinematic look too. But yeah, yeah one thing uh, we definitely uh, that definitely helped as well was getting that LED LED wall on stage because now you have enough wash from that bringing in light. You know, you have your practical stage washes and your key lights coming in. Um, so that definitely helped. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it goes back to communication, um, over at transformation church. Um, it's pretty much the same. We're lighting for, for video first. Um, and even when we go into the bigger upgrade, um, the most part, um, it's going to be, uh, lighting for video first. And, uh, we got a great, you know, we have a uh, DC pro with us, uh, Daniel Connell, um, from, uh, he's used to be with church on the move. He's, you know, most people know him as one of the, the best lighting directors out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because he's, he's with us and helping us out and, and uh, he's got a good relationship with transformation church. And so he's definitely, he's doing like all the stage designs and stuff for, for when we open up. So he, he's definitely looking out for, he's, he does a great job of uh, lighting for video first. Um, all of the, the recent, like, uh, I would say like champion with Dante uh, from Bethel music. Uh, when we, when we were on, on that, that set uh, in Dallas, uh, that was Daniel uh, and his lighting um, and uh, heaven come in LA. That was Daniel as well. So it was definitely, it's definitely nice to even work with somebody that I know that, that I also know that like, okay, I know he's going to, he's going to, he's going to light for video first, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's, it, Again, it comes just down to communication. Just make sure you're talking to your team and make sure you're talking to your leadership team and, and finding out like, hey, this is what we want to do. Uh, you know, and, and constant, I think we were like in weekly communication. Like we, for a good solid few months, it was every week meeting with them and saying, hey, how was this Sunday? Oh, okay. Was that good? Okay. You know, and then even playing back some of the, the service and be like, Hey, this, at this part, it was a little bit too bright, you know, and you know, the execs telling us that and I'm like, okay, we'll dial it down. We'll, you know, we'll figure out a, a way to do it. Yeah. Don't, don't take the criticism personally. Yes. Uh, it's never like, Hey, you're doing a bad job. It was too bright. It's just like, Hey, I, we wanted this a little, you know, little dimmer, you know, so it's not as distracting or, you know, I don't like the worship pastor looking like he's, you know, glowing like a nuclear bomb. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you mentioned that you have a mentorship program. So yeah. with that, I'm assuming that you deal with a lot of newbies in the industry. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, there what, is. There what is are the biggest newbie mistakes you, you've been seeing with them? What was that? Say that again. What, what are the biggest newbie mistakes that you see from them? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a few. I, I kind of like... Um, it's just all in all in all encompassing, I think, with with newbies and it even honestly it still hits me today sometimes there's times and moments when i'm making these mistakes i'm like oh no i gotta go back you know uh, but all in all <laughs> yeah totally right uh i usually i i i kind of got down to like a, a top five mistakes kind of deal um one of the things that uh is is for me is the biggest pet peeve is like poor framing you know framing up a shot where um the person's looking, I think, let me go back and say, you have to frame up a shot in a way where it's going to look good on a TV, right? It's going to look good on a phone. Um, you get, you can't have your, your subject on the right third when he's looking 
to the right. You know, he's looking now, he's looking just outside of my TV. I kind of look at like it, look at it like the big picture, right? Um, like if I had a frame and I was just holding the frame up, I could see around the frame. Uh, and if he's if he's looking and he's his nose is touching the right frame of the TV, you know, he's looking at nothing, right? Uh so right. I, I kind of make sure like, hey, give him some looking room, get get that in there. Let's let's push, you know, push in just a little bit to to get a little bit more uh more filling of the frame. Uh, so yeah, poor framing is, is big. Um, not knowing your gear, you know, um, you, you got to know your gear, whether it's down to the switcher. If you're, especially if you're a director, know, know your gear, everything down to your camera. What, what, what lenses are there? You know, how the camera works, you know, how, how the switcher works, how, you know, what buttons to press to make, you know, superstars come up, you know, even, even as simple as, you know, the computer you're using, like how to work that, how to do networking stuff, you know, uh, that's, that's big. Um, and then not being prepared is another one. Uh, not being prepared really just looks like, Hey, I'm just going to come in. I haven't heard any of the songs or listened to any of the songs I haven't looked on, you know, most churches use planning center, you know, I haven't yeah. looked at planning center and I haven't looked at the songs or even listened to them, you know, or, or even just coming in, not having an actual plan. Like, even though most of the stuff that I do when I direct is off the cuff, you know, just on the fly. Um, but there is sometimes when there's, there's a, there's still a plan involved. I still want to shape a story, you know, uh, right. so there's still something that I'm thinking about, like, Oh, how do I capture this? How do I do this song? You know? Um, yeah. I always looked at it that way where it's like, you know, the worship leader is like preparing their songs, you know, because they want to shape an atmosphere with what they're doing. And in the middle of that song, you know, they may spontaneously feel like they need to, you know, go back to a verse or something or go into a completely different song because the Spirit's leading them. And it's like that thought of like, let's be prepared, but like, let's also be prepared to change what we prepared to do. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Be prepared in in all that sense. Like, yeah, because there's times when you're going to get there and, oh, the song's different. You know, it's like, oh, it's yeah. a different, you know, um, at Bethel, it was, it was, it was crazy because uh, Brian Johnson loves to write his songs during a Sunday. So he'll sing a song and it sounds complete, sounds done. Then the next, next Sunday, he'll do the same song again. And the chorus is moved to a different spot or, you know, <laughs> the whole, the verse is completely different from last week, you know? So it's, it's one of those things like being prepared. Yes. To when you're doing when you're going into something, but also being prepared to be able to shift something on the fly and be like, okay, we're going this way, you know? Um, yeah. I, uh, I always had that problem where the church that I worked at, cause we had so many different ministries. I worked with a ton of different worship leaders and we had, we had the worship leaders that were on two opposite ends of the spectrum. Where it was like, you had the one guy that was like, no, everything's in planning center, like down to like every single like detail. And we can't stray from this. And then you had the other end of the spectrum where we had a worship leader that was like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't even know what I'm so songs I'm singing. Like, yeah. I'll figure it out. Like, this spirit's just going to lead me. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with both of them going like, listen, like our God is a God of structure. But right. like at the same time, like our God will move us where we want him, where he wants us to go. Yeah. So it's like, let's have a plan. Let's structure this out. And if God veers us off of that plan, then cool. We're all prepared for that, but then we also have this plan that we can always go back to. <laughs> right, totally. Yeah, yeah. The um, 
The I think the funniest thing that a lot of people don't know is like even at Bethel, there's a lot of spontaneous moments. But even those spontaneous moments are planned out, meaning like, hey, we might go into a spontaneous moment here. So let's kind of time it out, you know, get a good time in there. Uh, and mostly it was because on Sundays, uh, pre-COVID on Sundays, uh, we we meet in a gym. Um, it doubles as a basketball gym for the school. Um, so uh, there wasn't enough time to get people in and out if we kind of went overtime, you know. So even in those moments when they felt like God was leading them to do something spontaneous, um, it was still like in a in a structure, right? It was still structured and timed out. So, yeah, yeah, I totally get you, man. Yeah, and I remember hearing Brian say at some point in time, like he's like, "Listen, you may feel like you need to sing this chorus for thirty minutes straight, but he's like, if the crowd isn't feeling it, maybe you should move on." Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you said you had five. I think that's three. Oh yeah, uh, the um, not trusting your team would be four. Um, you know, give them the tools, show them what you want, and then trust them to, uh, you know, execute that. Um, I think that's a, that's a really big one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, like, even I dealt with that where it was like having volunteers, you know, you're only there like once a week or once every other week. And when I'm there full time and I want everything to be is like, you know, obviously not like perfect because nothing's ever going to be perfect, but like, yeah just want to make sure it's getting done correct and making sure people care, you know, and it's like that where you're caring becomes over caring. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, and it's like, that's something I worked on really hard. And uh, I, I finally just forced myself to say, listen, like you do what you want to do, man. I trust you. Like, this is what I want. This is what, you know, I feel like we need to do. If God's telling you to do something different, I'm like, as long as it's not something like that's crazy. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. There's, and there's that, there's that too. It's like, you always, Yes, trust them. Yes, let them execute it. Um, but you're also still the director. So if you see something that's either a habit that's continually happening happening, or or something that they, they do and you don't like, you can, one, either call it out then and just say, hey, just give me something else. Um, or talk to them after, like, hey, I see you continually doing this. Um, this is something that I kind of don't like. Um, but also it's the same thing that I would do with the senior leaders, right? Try to try to find that happy medium and be like, how can we both accomplish the same goal? Have you still be creative and still allow me to help shape that story of telling the story of the house, right? Um the uh a lot of it also it's like some people I know would would probably be asking, like, how do I trust that? You know, how do I learn to trust my team? Um, it's spending time with them. Really, it, it gets down to spending time with them, breaking bread with them, having community nights, you know, have yeah. them come over to the house, have them have dinner, you know, talk to them, build that trust with each other first. And then it'll, it'll translate on camera. You know, it'll translate when you're actually doing something. Um, yeah. We, we started doing that where it used to be, you know, we would get brought in and get told, this is what we're going to do. You have a week to figure it out for this night of worship, you know, type thing. And one of our worship pastors at the, at the college ministry was like, you know, it would probably be best if we just got like the entire team together and all just came over to the pastor's house. You know, let's have some pizza. Let's all talk about it. Let's pray together yeah. and start like giving out ideas of like, you know, what we felt, you know, God was telling us at those times and that like everyone was really awkward at that first time because it was so different from what we had done before. But it was like, 
you know, one of my team members was like, man, I'm just really seeing lots of like oranges and stuff for some reason. And so we ended up like finding one of the songs that uh, the worship leader was going to do for that night of worship. You know, I looked up a couple of videos of how, you know, the band, the original band who did it, did it. And I was like, man, I'm like that song, like they're using a lot of orange palettes. And, stuff like <laughs> that. and yeah. so I was like, let's do it. I'm like, let's do lots of orange palettes for it then. And it was like, you know, so then our graphic designer was there and he's like, I, I can make some cool, like orangish, like moving backgrounds for that song. Nice. And so, yeah, we just started flowing and it was like, everyone was really uncomfortable. But then like towards the end of it, when everyone was like yeah. being heard and being able to contribute to it, like that night of worship was probably one of the most powerful nights of worship that I as a like director have ever been a part of. Like <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. It helps so much when you're spending time together outside of the church, right? Yeah. When you're, when you're hanging out. And I, I even went as far as like, I had a group text with all my crew. And I would just send them funny memes or, you know, things, you know, funny videos, things like that, just to stay in connection with them. Even those that, you know, weren't with us every Sunday, you know, um, so that way, you know, that way they felt included. They felt a part of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's jump tracks a little bit. Uh, I guess not really. I think the question that everyone wants to know right now, you know, with the pandemic over the last past year Everyone's kind of streaming. Everyone had to learn how to be, you know, a director, content producer. You know, what what are some advice points for people that either maybe didn't have the chance to jump into that or they just threw a cell phone up and they're now like, hey, because we, we have a lot of clients that kind of did that. They threw a cell phone up or someone had a camcorder that they dumped into a, you know, a computer and now they're realizing, wow, how many people are online? Like we had one of our clients, they're like, we only have a hundred people join us every Sunday in our building pre-COVID. Right. And now we have like three or 400 people watching us online. They're like, that that's great. That was like mind blowing to them. And so they're like, now we really want to like get into like, let's actually do a camera setup and let's do this permanently. For the people that are starting or just trying to understand, what what advice would you give them about how what equipment to get? Not necessarily like go buy the Black Magic blah 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 camera, um, right. but like more like direction. Like, should they get a PTZ? Should they get a handy cam? Should they get a broadcast camera? You know, should they do everything NDI? You know, like that kind of a right. thought process. Yeah, um, my first thing would be to one utilize what you got right now. Uh, if you have a budget, that's great. Um, I would focus first on lighting and video and audio first. Um, and then think about video kind of like almost last, really. So um, when you say focus on video and uh, sorry, and lighting and audio, what do you what do you mean? Can you expound on that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so audio would be actually at the top of my list. Um, you can shoot on an iPhone and have the iPhone audio. A lot of times it works and people are gonna be okay with that. Um, but a lot of people, you know, in my research, a lot of people, I found that they would tune off if the audio was bad. You know, video might look a little blurry, but if you had good audio, people would stick around still because they can still listen, you know. But if they have, if there was bad audio, nine times out of 10, they're going to go and go on to the next thing, swipe up, you know, they're going to do, you know, go watch something else. Um, so focus on audio, you know, whether that's getting a cleaner feed from your soundboard into your iPhone camera or whatever your camera you're using to stream out or getting a feed into your, your switcher or even uh, directly into, you know, most churches uh, on a lower budget 
um, or even some higher budgets are using OBS to stream, right? So getting getting an audio feed in there, uh, focusing on your mix, uh, getting getting a better mix for audio. Um, and then I would focus on lighting. Lighting as far as like, hey, let's evenly light the stage. Let's get some washes on the band so we can see the band. Uh, and let's get some, you know, get some key lights on the on the singers and the pastors so they can be well lit. Uh, and then finally move on to video. Uh, and then that way, that way, when you're going to video, you could do things like, you know, honestly, at Bethel, for for all intents and purposes, it was, you know, our gear, our setup was a low budget setup. Um, and so our Blackmagic Ursa Mini Pros looked good because we lit for video or for video first and then the room. Uh, so that's what I would that's what I would focus on first is really getting your audio down and getting your lighting down and then look to video uh, last, really. Uh, which is funny coming from a video guy, right? Uh, but uh, your directors also, if 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 you have a different director, if you're listening to this and uh, your director is, you know, they're going to be super happy with you if you focused on lighting and audio first, because uh, the end product and the end result is going to be is going to look really really good. Yeah, like we we tell clients all the time the correlation of what's going on in the room is going to affect our broadcast so much. And like, it's kind of a double whammy, especially right now because of COVID, like, because everyone's like, well, we just have to get good cameras because everyone's at home. And we're like, yeah, but like, if you have a terrible sounding sound system in your room and your audio guy is trying to EQ things to fix the problems that the PA is creating, and then that's just feeding into a matrix into your live feed because you don't have a second manager to run audio or you don't have a way to do like separate broadcast audio, you know, you could cause problems there. Is that something you've experienced as well? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that that's kind of why we've told people, like, it sounds so, like, weird when you've called us in to do cameras and we're like, oh, man, but this, you know, this PA is from, like, 1984 right. and your console's, like, being, like, held together by duct tape and chewing gum. You know, it's like those things really need to be replaced because that will that'll solve the issue. And we've always been this big proponent of why... What what's the ultimate goal here? You know, pastor speaking the word, the lyrics to the songs, like the the spoken part of that is the most important thing that the church uh-huh. is doing. Totally, you know. And then it's like the the video and the lighting are capturing the emotion and like the atmosphere type thing. So it's like it's not that they're not important, but it's like we need to make sure that everything sounds good. And like you said, exactly. uh, people are willing to tune in to bad video if the audio sounds good. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't willing to listen to something that sounds bad. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, that's that's great. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought totally. Oh, but uh, so here, let me ask you this, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, you can answer this in one of two different ways. What's the biggest mistake you've made? Slash, what is the most embarrassing thing that you've done uh, in your career? Oh man. Yeah. Uh, Biggest mistake I've made. Um, one, uh, it's kind of I. I'll answer this in with two things that's that's happened. Uh, I'll answer it on the practical end. Is once I totally forgot to record an entire service. Uh, <laughs> I think we've yeah, all been there. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was like, uh, we were streaming on YouTube, right? Okay, good. At least we have an archive somewhere. <laughs> but I completely. Completely forgot to record a service. Uh, Were you at Bethel? Yeah, yeah, it was at Bethel. Yeah, 
And, and at Bethel, we we archive every service. Like even if we're not streaming, that service gets recorded and archived. Uh, but so that was like, oh no, I missed. And it, and I was I was glad it was the service that we were streaming, <laughs> so that we actually had that. Uh, yeah. And then the second mistake I think uh, I, I I made was really not paying attention to my camera ops and their um, their signs of wear and tear, their signs of burning out, things like that mm-hmm. as a leader, um, yeah. being so focused on, hey, man, we're going to do great things. We're going to get this done uh, without really realizing like, man, my cam ops are starting to burn out because we've been overworking them, you know? Yeah. Uh, that, that's been, that, that was one of my biggest lessons is learning how like to really like, okay, I actually got to, either plan things out accordingly better or, or ask like, Hey, can I get more people in for this so that we can give our cam ops a break? You know? Um, so those were the two mistakes. I'm most embarrassing, man. Ah, uh, gosh, I can't really, honestly, I can't think of in my career, my most embarrassing. That's a hard one. <laughs> uh <laughs> I think I think it would be um accidentally uh talking I was talking about it was talking I was actually teaching some people before a service started and talking about like attention to detail and making sure you know when you're cutting you know you're cutting you're cutting to the right cameras and things like that and that whole service I think I cut to black like 10 times because my fingers were were in the wrong spot or I wasn't paying attention. I got distracted. Uh, but so I think that would be embarrassing. It was one of the embarrassing moments where like I'm sitting there and there's these people that I just told them like, Hey, you know, you gotta be prepared. You gotta do this. And I was just totally out of it. And just like everything was like, going wrong. that could go wrong, you know? Yeah. Isn't that how it always goes? Uh, I feel like every time I do a training, I, I go, yeah, and this is how you do it. And then it's like, okay, it's not working. What is going on here? And then you, yeah, yeah that, that's awesome. Um, hey, to kind of go back to the, the mistake you made of not recognizing when people were burning out uh, and trying to get more people, I think that that's the big question that I've always had in uh, coming from the church that I came from. So we were, we were quite a large church. We were like 16,000 people. So our main sanctuary holds like 4,200 people at the time. Uh, I I no longer go there, but um, because we had such a big pool, it was never really super hard for me to get volunteers. Um, Now that I'm at a much smaller church, the church I go to now is like 135 people. Um, getting people to want to be involved in just the AV side of things in general, not just cameras or lighting or anything. It's hard to do. What would you tell someone at a small church that is like, I want to do this so bad, but I just don't have people to help me. Like, what do you tell them? Yeah. um, Two things is one, if you can really focus on getting better yourself and work on your craft and 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 getting it to a point where uh, where the second one would come in is really when you get to a good spot where you feel really good, um, you'll be you'll end up doing things that p- other people are going to notice who have creative minds in in the in the church and they're going to be a want they're going to want to be a part of that. Um, and so look for those and look for you know um, honestly, I found that even sometimes the youngest kids be the best, you know, they'll, they, they're eager to learn and they're, you know, 
they're they're like, oh, wow, I get to use the, this gear. I get to use this, you know, quote unquote expensive equipment, you know. Um, so utilize that. Like, you know, I, I have some some people, um, some students that are, they use kids from uh, as young as 10 years old, you know, uh, and, and they're some of their best volunteers, you know. And that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I was ten, I mean, I did it because it got me out of out of service. Right, right, yeah, totally. Yeah. But then I loved it so much, I ended up being at more services than <laughs> I wouldn't nice. have done it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like kind of what catalyzed my relationship with Christ. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. It's and I think the the third thing I would say is, uh, volunteer. Uh, you know, just constant, it's, it's constant. Hey, asking people that you see that, you know, you feel, you feel has got a creative eye. You know, if you've seen, if you, you know, somebody follows you on social media, that's from your church and you're noticing like they're doing really cool stuff with their iPhone, just taking pictures or, you know, things yeah. like that. I'm like, Hey, why don't you come help us out? You know, we need some help, you know, um, you know, besides yeah, the you know, be advertising. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. All right, Chad. Last thing. Yeah. Final question. What piece of advice do you have for everyone? Uh, my biggest, my biggest soapbox that I stand on is um, to never get to a point where you're, you're constantly killing yourself for making a mistake. It's okay to make mistakes, especially in a live environment. It, it'll happen. And I, I really, you know, one of the biggest things that I had to learn lessons that I had to learn was, if I make a mistake, God's still going to move. He's still going to do something. You know, it's not, it's not up to me to have that pressure. Right. I, you know, I shouldn't need to feel like, Oh my gosh, it's all rides on me, you know, or it rides on me and my team. If my team makes a mistake, John down the road is not going to get saved from watching it. No, he's going to get saved. It might not be that right that time, but he will get saved. God's got a plan for him. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I think all of us tech people have that problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a big thing in, in our industry. Um, but yeah, just learning how to be comfortable with with if if a mistake happens, it happens. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not the end of the world. You know, it's a live environment. You know, granted, now nowadays, like even you know, at, at Transformation and at Bethel, we would ISO certain cameras so that we can we could go back and re-edit if we needed to. You know, um, mm-hmm. but all in all. Like even then, like I used to go home and just kick myself like, oh, I should have done that better. I should have cut that better, you know? Yeah. And, and God just sat me down and was like, no, it's totally fine. Like be okay with that. You know, it's, it's a lot yeah. of environment. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that would be like my biggest thing that to, to tell yeah. people. It's like, it's okay. Totally cool to make mistakes. And also I think, I think. Well, I think one of the the main things is that all comes down to like my identity is not wrapped up in what I do. Right. It's really wrapped up in whose I am in him. Yeah. And so, so having to learn that first is what kind of catapulted, catapulted me into knowing like, Hey, if I make a mistake, it's totally fine. God still loves me. You know, somebody's still going to get saved and set free on the other end of that lens. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember having a, a picture of me in, in our youth room and which was the main room that I worked in. And I was like in the sound booth in this in this picture, like frantic about like 
something was going wrong. And, you know, Jesus was up at the front of the stage, like where the pastor is. And he's just like sitting there, like telling me to calm down, like relax. And I, wow. I never really understood what it was at that moment. And then I remember like a couple weeks after that, we were in our like post-service, like wins and losses, like how did things go? How can, well, you know, what did we do good? What did we do bad? And it was like the third week in a row where I realized that our wins lists were like two or three things and our loss lists were like 25 things. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, like we are just being way too hard on ourselves. Right. So it was like trying to make sure that I wasn't writing down every little small tiny thing that we messed up on where it was like, oh, the lyrics were always like half of a sentence behind. And, right, right. you yeah, know, like <laughs> those things. And it was just like, man, like just relax and calm yourself down. Like you said, like that graphic being, you know, half a second late isn't preventing John from getting saved next week. Right. Yeah, totally. And also too, I think it's easy for us to get into this mode by, by doing that, by kind of coming into that, that the space with that feeling like, Oh, I got to get this, you know, perfect. Um, it's easy to come into that mode by, by really trying to focus on, oh, everything has to be perfect. Like the mix has to sound perfect. The video has to be perfect. You know, like what you're saying, the graphics has to be on time, on the spot, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's really, it's something that I'm, I'm learning now. It's, um, I like to say, it's like, you know, excellence is kingdom and perfection is religion. And there's <laughs> no, there's no like, it, you know, if I'm going for excellence, yes, go for excellence. Like, Kind of, you know, like for lack of a better way of saying it, strive for excellence. You want it, you want it to be good because yes, there is, you know, in our industry, it is still distracting for some people. So you don't want to be distracting, right? Right. Uh, but at the same time, you don't have to go after perfection because perfection is totally religion. It's totally just like, you know, it's technically un- unattainable, really, unless you're like total like die hard, you know, on on it every time with everybody, and then create a bad leadership style where everybody's not going to want to work with you. you know? <laughs> right. So, Cause they're afraid they're going to get yelled at. Yeah, or fired. No, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Chad, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and uh, help enrich our community here. Um, is there, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, how can they connect with you? Yeah. I think uh, honestly the best and quickest way to get a hold of me is through uh, Instagram direct messages. Just direct message me. Uh, Instagram is Chad Vegas. And um, yeah, and if you need, you know, just reach out to me if you had any any questions or and I try my best to answer as much as I can um, as quickly as I can with uh, my busy, busy schedule. So, yeah. Well, speaking of Instagram, make sure you guys are following us on Instagram as well. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast and we would love for you to give us a comment and give us some feedback. If there's anyone else you want us to talk to uh, on the podcast and then make sure you check us out on YouTube as well. Uh, we are all DC, D, D16 Tech or D16 Technologies on all of those uh, platforms. So uh, until next time, I'm Justin for Division 16 Technologies. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for checking out the Division 16 Technologies podcast. Make sure you subscribe and check us out on YouTube, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, you know, all the good stuff. We've got a website too. Uh, we are either D16 Tech or Division 16 Technologies on most of those platforms. So make sure you go over and hit subscribe, hit the thumbs up, share, comment, like, all those kind of things. If you want to email me, you can email me at justin e at d16tech.com or you can reach Gary at Gary at d16tech.com. 
uh, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or we can help you with anything. Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you.